0: Behind every great artist, there's a great band who help take the music from the studio to the stage. In each episode, I talk with some of the most accomplished and sought after musicians in the world. Delving into the details of their backgrounds, their stories, and their journeys. Doing away with the fiction and getting into the facts. It's not about the hype. It's not about the product. It's about the players. Hello, hello. Hope all is well. In this episode, I talk with Brendan Grieve, bass player, multi instrumentalist, songwriter, and producer. Currently, the bassist and musical director for Sam Smith. We recently jumped on a call and I got to know a little bit more about all things Brendan. All right, well, look, um, I'm here with Brendan Grieve. Brendan, so good to have you on the line
1: thank you mate how's it going
0: everything is going good man um we've been doing some preamble chat before recording (laughs) which has been really really good it's been great to catch up um but in kind of talking to you i haven't really spoken to you much properly in a really really long time i mean i've seen you like if we were at the same gig briefly it's you know gigs it's like hey everyone's busy and it's like yeah (laughs) that's right we've seen each other in passing but um yeah a a guy called sam smith kind of took you away so so yeah it took me away for the last well six or seven years yeah 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 it was fantastic but yeah i just thought it'd be great to talk to you um and kind of a catch up and normally i have kind of a a loose plan of what i want to talk about but when i was sort of like um preparing this conversation, I realized, you know what, there's just so much actually I don't know about Brendan because I felt like, <laughs> <laughs> I felt like I felt like we kind of like we started doing some things or started and we were, you know, we were around each other a lot and then you were kind of gone. So um I realized there was so much I didn't know. And um I thought it'd be great to kind of find out some of that and kind of delve into your background a bit if that's okay. Of course. Yeah. Great. So how did you start playing in the first place? Uh it was Actually, growing up,
1: um, my uncle mm-hmm. he was like a musician and would play like drums and bass, and he was like a big, ins- massive inspiration for me growing up. And like listening to loads of different music. And whenever he was from Holland, so whenever we we would go there, mm-hmm. I'd be hanging out with him so much. He'd show me his drums. I was such I was so young. I had no, I didn't know much about it, but he'd show me loads of stuff, and and it just stuck with me, and it was something I just wanted to do. Right, like, right. Didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> like it was something I really wanted to do, and you know, got my first uh, guitar. Was messing around on it, like playing on one string. <laughs> right, year, right,
0: right.
1: Thinking that I've got, oh, I've nailed this, and then it got so frustrating. I put it away, uh-huh. and then you know, picking it up again when I went to secondary school was and meeting loads of friends that were musicians as well was kind of was helpful. You know, in terms of learning and just you know, being inspired to play again and to learn and actually be patient with it mm-hmm. as opposed to you know, getting it instantly. But,
0: so you mentioned that your uncle was a, um, a multi-instrumentalist, which I remember you being as well. So what instruments were you particularly drawn to and what were you playing at that stage? Um,
1: well, it's funny because where I lived, um, there wasn't many musicians in Kent, like where, where I particularly lived. And so I try and teach my friends. I try and learn everything mm-hmm. So, I could teach my friends how to play so that we could start a band, like so I could just have something, an outlet. So, I just started learning it just to teach everyone else.
0: (laughs) Right, right, right.
1: I I just learned like drums and things, like basic level, obviously. Mm -hmm. But bass guitar, for some reason, was the one that I felt kind of drawn to the most. Mm
0: -hmm. Easiest barrier to entry was that it? Like (laughs) four strings? Like, (laughs) no.
1: At first, I used to think that, but then no hearing like amazing players was kind of like okay it's not just that it's yeah. not just bass I, I just it was a natural thing Like i was playing guitar with my fingers yeah like yeah. a bass and my parents were like what are you doing like he he's a bass player so they just got me like my first bass and that was it
0: uh, yeah i just actually my father was a bass player so i actually i always think that bass is um people think it's easy or easier i, I don't even know if people think that but i actually think in my opinion i think it's one of the most difficult instruments in um a pop band to actually play actually um yeah because i think well i guess know. i'm still learning as well well yeah (laughs) but it it sits in a unique space it's between melody and rhythm and it is really a rhythm instrument but then there is so much it it offers so much warmth and tone and it has to sit and feel exactly right and there's just nothing worse than bass that doesn't feel good it's just it's, good. Yeah. it's just the worst. It's actually the worst instrument to like Overplay on or do anything Bad on I feel like yeah. you, you're not Afforded those opportunities Like with some of the other instruments so I think That it's um I think that To actually master bass and how It places within a band is really Really tricky um yeah So you were so what Kind of age were you when you sort of decided Okay this is the one I'm feeling The most
1: I was like 12 mm-hmm. Years old uh, and started like reading tab. Mm-hmm. So when I figured tab out, mm-hmm. that's when my mind just went <laughs> I was like, okay, I get it. The number two on the A, you know, like that kind of thing. It was kind of that's what changed when I learned how to read tab, it kind of made me figure it out a bit and learn loads of songs right. properly. Right, right. And, um and not just trying to hear it. Like I mean, I used my ear quite a bit, but it was kind of it kind of opened the door a bit more to you know me really focusing on the instrument and did you
0: have did you have teachers or were you sort of like getting music books and learning from books or how were you doing it
1: i had a music teacher but he was more of a guitar teacher he wasn't really a bass it was like a school teacher Mm -hmm. like a, a guitar teacher at school it wasn't really like i wasn't learning anything technical or it was really really basic and he wasn't he wasn't a bass player so he didn't really teach me um you know, technique and how to hold the guitar and where to put your thumb and all this. Right. It, it, right. I used to just watch loads of like videos and like music, uh, channels and, mm-hmm. Oh, that's how they're doing it. Oh, that's how you stand. Oh, that's where the bass is supposed to be. You know, like the silly little things like Oh, you know, position of the guitar and how to actually position your hands and everything like that. Right. It just right. look, like watching TV, really amazing. Like, YouTube it was more just a case of just watching tapes and rewinding back and oh and you know that's that's basically how it was I so just kind of visual yeah and and just watching and just and just imitating it yeah yeah pretending you're that that musician
0: so <laughs> really little
1: things like yeah. it really taught me how to I don't know how how to really you know the, it's the finer details that I used to concentrate on as opposed to the playing yeah <laughs> it was the more the, look was really important
0: <laughs> yeah. who was do you remember who was kind of um inspiring you at the time
1: yeah um stuart zender was like was the biggest inspiration for me growing up oh, okay uh, okay my uncle showed him showed it to me uh, the you know, loads of their records and that was it the, that's when the bass was me was really important to me that's when I really was like yeah this is so cool it sounds amazing like the way Stuart used to play on stage and look and yeah, and the, the lines and the song it was just that was me I, I felt like a connection to it yeah. and I felt connected to the instrument way more.
0: Yeah yeah Stuart Zender and kwai were they were dope I mean as, as a kind of as a team so to speak.
1: That was a massive inspiration for me mm. I kind of had different for different instruments I had different sort of uh, like I don't know like you know gods that you look at it was like a oh for bass it would be that person uh-huh. for guitar it would be this person and oh those drummers were the best for me I'd want to be that you know it depended on the instrument really
0: so through so through your teens were you still sort of playing or learning or putting time into different instruments all the time
1: like oh. I, I just locked myself away mm-hmm. doing my dad's head in the drums like <laughs> my, my dad was always would always like give me support in terms of the bass but uh-huh. when it came to drums it was one of those things I like, oh
0: yeah <laughs> so you're still playing multiple instruments throughout your teens which is great
1: yeah just it was a thing where, you know started learning it just to teach my friends how to play because i just wanted to be in a band so badly it was like i just wanted like be around other people that play music and that's what mm-hmm. i wanted so i think it was the thing that just carried carried on for me just learning um different instruments it was just fun it was a fun it all started as fun and i was obsessed with it like music became an obsession for me growing up so i just had a focus so i knew what i wanted to do from such an yeah. early age i couldn't imagine doing anything else like, i really couldn't
0: so um like a lot of people that are playing instruments in their teens and learning to play um you were wanting to kind of play with other people so did you start a band or did you join a band
1: yeah like i i met like at school i kind of met my musician friends when i was mm-hmm. about 15 like it was mm-hmm. and and finding out that they all play in in a band together i was like oh and it just started hanging out with them and then at school we had to do some kind of school performance and i was asked uh to play um bass mm-hmm. then they were like oh we didn't know you played bass and they were looking for someone to play bass and they just asked me to join, and I was like, yes, and I felt like it was like this like amazing feeling of you know finally like it's yeah
0: happening. yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely it felt like my life started that's mm-hmm. how I felt at the time it felt like it's big you know the, my musical journey, whether how small or you know whatever it is it felt like it was beginning then,
0: and were you jamming or were you sort of well, obviously was there was always there's always jamming, but were you um Or did you have a master plan of like, oh, you know, we need to be this type of band and we need to be this and we need a singer or we need a rapper or we need to, like, how were you kind of approaching things at that stage?
1: We were like big metalers. So we were trying to, we were trying to be the whole, like, it was like the new metal era. So we, that's what we wanted to be at the time. We were kind of a really bad version of it. But, (laughs) and we were like, it's funny. I talked to my dad about it all the time about where we rehearsed. It was like in the middle of this farm. In Kent, and it just smelled mm-hmm. like like pig shit constantly. <laughs> I didn't care at the time. It was just you know, it was just I was just so excited to to be in a band and just jam, even if it was terrible. I didn't really care. It was like a thing I yeah. did every week, it was like a rich like you know. We had every Sunday, we'd rehearse. It just it was it was like a hang. At, at first, there was never any you know, we're going to be at the best, the biggest band in the world. It was more a case of, oh, we get to meet up once a week and jam and be in a band. It was just, it just felt, it was just a great thing to do every week. And yeah. Then, pure
0: well, reasons, honest reasons.
1: Yeah. It was like, and then as we got older, um, we decided to, you know, be a real band because obviously we, as time went on, we got better as musicians. Well, I mm-hmm. we thought we did <laughs> started doing local gigs cause there was quite a big, like, um, rock and metal scene in kent which i didn't mm-hmm. realize at the time and so we did a lot of gigs like local gigs with like with bands and it was like a, it was a really it was a really good time like a really fun time like the music scene was like it was a, a local music scene so people go and actually enjoy the shows as opposed to it was kind of instead of just stood there and it was awkward it was like a really fun atmosphere to be around at that time
0: right you know, right
1: it made me it, it kind of like paved the way for all of us well for me at least what i want to do as a career it was like oh i'm doing gigs okay i want to do more gigs i want to do more you know it's, it becomes like a an obsession again you, you want to you don't want to keep going you want to do more so
0: absolutely so. absolutely i mean i could picture that clearly i could picture you kind of gigging at the weekends you know practicing jamming with your friends doing bands listening to different music whatever When was that next step to where you then moved to London or, you know, like what was the next step beyond that?
1: When I started my band with my childhood friends, we all kind of, that kind of broke up. Everyone's doing their own thing. It wasn't really serious. And then I met another group of friends uh, who asked me to play in their band and, and I'd never heard their music and they sent me a, like a demo. And it was like, I'd never heard of post rock music. I wasn't familiar with it. So I was like, oh yeah, go on. I'll check it out. Like, and then I listened to it and it's like this, it's like instrumental indie music that are like 20 minute long, uh, instrumentations with like strings and like guitars and like, like it had like a Radiohead cinematic feel. And I, I was literally like, my brain just went <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> Put it back immediately. And I just went, I'm in and they were like, what I was yeah. like, I'm in. So good. Like musically it's so good and it, it it's quite like emotional kind of sounding stuff. I was like, this is so good. Didn't realise they had like a little following at the time. Mm-hmm. And I did like my first tours with that band. Like I did um when I toured the UK, it was like, you know, it was a toilet tour, but more like, you know, staying on people's floors. It was but I didn't care, it was like the best. I was like, oh, travelling around the UK in a van, like this is so exciting and that was my first kind of taste at touring and we toured like what I was mean, that I band taught, called uh yindi Halda. strange name but yeah yindi Halda.
0: and this was and this was this was instrumental music
1: yeah this was like you know before i even came to london we, like this was like a prop it felt like a proper band that were actually touring and you know recording as well was another thing that i i did previously with my bands but it was like releasing albums like properly you
0: know oh wow it's really wow.
1: cool like and then um, we we toured like we toured everywhere. We toured like Asia. We did an Asian tour like yeah like years years ago, and it was an amazing wow. experience for me. Again, we didn't make any money. Wow. I didn't really. Care. <laughs> I, was just, I was just happy to be there. And um, and then obviously, being like you're getting older, and you've got to think like <laughs> money as the as yeah. But yeah, I being in a band for me started getting a bit uh stale a little bit i just felt like right. it was just like it became more
0: of a hobby than an actual career for me i would imagine just by you speaking so when i met you was it sort of just after that kind of period or, or was yeah. it um at the could...
1: same time actually i um because i you know i went to uni I, I i literally as i went to uni for uh three years in kent doing um uh, music a music degree and mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. um still in the band and it was it was really fun and then after uni it's when things changed. i was like right i really need to i've had this time off which that's what uni Mm -hmm. felt like to me i didn't you know i've had this time off (laughs) now i need to take things seriously and that's when you know i met um, a friend of mine jadeen at uni she was from london and i used to play with i used to do like gigs with her in london like 15 minute acoustic gigs i drive from kent to london and play with her because i wanted to be in london i i I didn't care if it was like 10 minutes i would just to just drive and and it became like like a constant reminder in the back of my head you need to be in london and i just didn't have the nerve to go there i I don't know why it just took me a while right um it was funny we were recording with a friend of mine for Jadine's ep and it was i was hanging out with um Uh, Paulie, you know psm Paulie. oh yeah 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 yeah. i I said to him one day i I just went hey man right where should i move to i was thinking brighton or london and he just went london (laughs) i was like okay yeah you're right i need to go to london and just moved and it was like a big thing for me because i i I didn't know i didn't know what was going to happen i was just like oh going to london now this is going to be crazy like didn't know anyone didn't know how i was going to get into the music scene or whatever or this or the session thing i had no clue i had absolutely no clue you just really. knew
0: you wanted to be in london you knew that was a better place
1: i thought that was what i had to do nothing's going to happen in kent sure sure
0: no one knows who you are
1: <laughs> <laughs> looked for a place in london and moved there and that was it
0: Were you thinking, okay, I can do sessions or were you thinking I can maybe start a band or get in a band or were you sort of open to whatever London had to offer at that time?
1: Yeah, I was kind of open. I kind of, when I was at uni, we were obsessed with like session musicians. I I didn't really think about it before when I was in my bands, I was, my idols were like band, you know, like band members or just bands that grew up together, writing music and, you know, didn't really know much about session. I I learned a bit at uni and I figured that's what I wanted to like I felt like that's what I wanted to do with session because it was like I get to play music Yeah. And I didn't want to be in a band at the time I didn't want to be in a band. The idea of being in a band for me was like it's a waste of time. I was like you're not making any money. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's it becomes a bit stale. Like I said it becomes a bit stale and you've got to think oh, what else could I do but I still love music. i would do session. That, that right. that's what I thought. I I right. get to play music yeah I get to get paid for playing music, and I don't have sure. to be in a band. you know there's no that that sounded great to me at the time.
0: I think what's interesting to me, obviously and slightly knowing you're playing as well, but um you seem to have been into quite a few different types of music um at that stage as well, like did you have any particular type of music you wanted to play or were you or that you were really into, or were you just a sponge for all types of things?
1: Yeah, when I was in university, I kind of I went away from the whole metal thing, like, and rock thing. I got into, I got heavily into electronic music. I heard Jay Dillo for the first time and I was like, Whoa. my mind was like bl- like blown, like all this like, different types of music. And I metal and rock kind of just hit the back burner for me. So I just right. kind of, I think I associated that kind of music with all the bands that I'd been in. So I wanted to do something different. I didn't, anything other than, rock <laughs> right.
0: but i'll tell I you know. one thing though it's good to have had that kind of in your pocket though i think that it's really important to have to play and know different music you know what i mean not just for sessioning but i just think for life
1: yeah i'm kind of like a my taste varies i can't that's why when people ask you what my favorite album is or my favorite artist is i find it really difficult because it's so i have a it's like a different mood a, a different i just have such a wide taste of music that I don't know, like it's hard to pinpoint. So I think tying into session is kind of cool because it's like you get to play with different artists and different types of music. So that kind of appealed to me as well.
0: And how did you, so with that um, being in London now and with that background that you had, how did you then, how did you get into the session game? How did that come about for you?
1: I don't know. I played a lot with um, with Jadeen and Yasmin Baker, another awesome Mm -hmm. musician. And we just used to play together with force Your dean's project and i'd meet different people along the way i would get introduced to different like musicians and people and it was kind of a it's really cool like finally meeting other people that work in the industry or that are just starting like me as well people sure that, sure you know, on that journey as well it's kind of really cool i don't know getting asked to play i'd just say yes i'd never say no i'd never turn <laughs> right. in, i didn't turn <laughs> anything down because i didn't you know i wasn't in the position to. And I yeah. and I was up for anything. So any time anyone asked me to play in the band thing, I was I was all get I was in.
0: I was like yes. Yeah. So, so you started doing different gigs with different people around town. I imagine.
1: Well yeah, and then I did one gig one night and met um, Steve Solomon. You know Steve. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. So yeah, yeah. You know, he put me in touch with you actually. That's how I. We... That's how I got to know you through. Hip. Yeah, that's right. And that's how it started for me. Like. You know you put me on my first proper gig with uh wow. with devlin which was awesome at the
0: time. was it devlin was the first one yeah. i didn't realize that do you know what okay that's really interesting okay so i could do two things i want to mention so when you were when you were doing lots of gigs around ta- town were you were you doing them for like no money small amounts of money like what how were you kind of doing?
1: sometimes no money and sometimes like literally small amounts of money but i did care but i had a day job at the same time so i made sure i had a job first just to cover my own back and then anything extra was great
0: it's interesting you know like like we were talking about before we started recording but also um a lot of people ask me like oh how do i get seen by mds how do i get yeah. onto gigs how do i do whatever and there's no sort of clear-cut pathway but i always say to people that the more your name kind of gets around i always say that the first thing is to be actually Be good at what it is that you're doing. Um, But if you're doing that, people will notice. And you know, sometimes your peers, other musicians, are the best people to kind of connect with because you know it's a word of mouth industry. People pass on names, people pass on information, and um, yeah, Stevie Solomon was somebody who I kind of I would put him in the category of one of the few people that I trust. or would trust with a musical kind of opinion or with a recommendation? Sometimes people say things. I'm like, yeah, whatever. But he was somebody really trusted, and he, I remember him mentioning you and Yasmin to me. He's like, yo, I met these guys the other day. They're like really, really good, and like you know, in that session. Which it sounds like a weird thing to say, but like um, for some reason, we will a lot to of tools. With, with, with but this is it though. But for some reason, in the session world, that's kind of like. They want people that can do the job, but they're always looking for people that are a little bit different, a little bit unique, and that maybe um, are fresh, do you know what I mean? So, um, not so much like, you know, I know what it is that they're kind of wary of, they're wary of like pop bands looking too much like function bands, do you know what I mean? Which I get, but um, but yeah, you you guys were fresh to the scene, and um you know and i remember you both were really really good both you and yasmin um but yeah i was thinking of another artist but that's right you you came and did devlin which was um and, and yeah you
1: called me up to do it at, at, at a really good time because i was doing another gig i think i did one gig with that with dappy i did one gig and that was it right. and then literally a week later you called me up i was like yeah oh, you couldn't have come at a better time mate like yeah <laughs> <laughs> you
0: but it's a funny thing, you know, because there's no sort of like clean like I, I can't I can't remember what the circumstances were off the top of my head. But if I like sometimes there's auditions for gigs and sometimes there isn't. And sometimes you just have to go with your gut and trust somebody. And that yeah. was one of those that was one of those times to whereby mm. I think maybe somebody who was doing it before had left or we needed somebody new or whatever, and there wasn't time to do a whole big audition or something like that. Um no I think I think I came down and saw you guys play somewhere as well actually Yeah. and, and that's when
1: when you came down I was like oh no I'm not even playing much bass like no. <laughs> <laughs> Tommy's like, oh, coach coming out and I was like at the time I was freaking I was like oh no I'm not playing any bass I was like doing like triggering with like with like Ableton and stuff like that I was like oh
0: no no the,
1: uh, you know they're not going to see me playing bass uh, no not gonna... <laughs> I, I, I was like oh but,
0: yeah, I don't know the irony about that is though, is that if I recall again, I remember, um maybe we'll talk about some of the other things we did around that time, but I just remember one of the things that was a really big asset for you. and I always say to people, the more things the more things that you have in your locker, the better. And yeah. it was this whole thing that you played synth bass, you played a bit of guitar and you sort of knew about samples and triggering and using Ableton and things of that nature. And that was like, that was before Ableton was as big and as widespread as it is now. So in a way you had, you had a skill, which, you know, would, you know, kind of gave you a bit of an advantage because you, you know, it, it was something. And I imagine using Ableton at that time, maybe came from your dance influences with like from EDM and stuff like that. Cause I know a lot of those guys were using that.
1: Yeah, that's it's when I saw um I saw Flying Lotus, uh, Flying Lotus play in uh, was it Cargo? Blew mm-hmm. my mind. I was like, this dude has got a laptop. He's a rock star, like, and he's triggering samples, and it sounds amazing. It's like, and I was like, I want to implement that in my setup somehow. So yeah, like triggering yeah, yeah. samples was, like, was my kind of way of doing that, which was really fun. It just yeah. was fun,
0: like. <laughs> but it's great though. I think that again, people often think about gigs as oh i need what can i get from a gig but it's like sometimes it really is about what can you actually bring to it do you know what i mean and the yeah. fact that you could do all these other things it was like i was like oh shit, okay this guy can do that oh okay great he could do that he could do that and i remember um it was it was really really great you're a great player but then you had all these other things that you could do too so um i think we did a few was it i can't remember what else we did apart from laura, you, was, there was, oh, laura welsh laura that's Welsch. right Welsch. That's the yeah, like, thing that I remember doing um, with you. Um, and sh- yeah. how would you describe her music? I guess she was what, soul pop, eclectic soul pop. Though. Yeah, kind of like it was really. I mean,
1: I was into, I was super into it. Cause, I mean, sonically it sounded awesome, and like you know the electronic aspect of it. It was, it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a load of things, wasn't it? I can't, yeah, I can't really pinpoint what it, it was. was
0: it was really good. it was I would say that it's one of those things it's it's definitely the music, the type of music I like, which is a mix of different things and slightly mm-hmm. left of center. you know what I mean? I think that's what it was kind of yeah like that's going. Exactly. yeah, it to me yeah and and um, yeah, that was a good gig. I remember you very much sort of um playing um I rem- well, I remember two things about that. I remember you definitely going between keys, guitar. Base. I remember you had this massive rig. Do you know what I mean? It was like, it was great. But, <laughs> but also, I remember when you then started doing other bits and pieces, it was impossible to depth because nobody else could do all the things that you could do. <laughs> it was really, it, with, with that sort of trigger t- triggering and Ableton type of knowledge, why did you, how, what got you into that and how were you learning? What, what was that about?
1: That was like, well, that was kind of uni when the whole, when I got into like electronic music and then it was like watching like live electronic shows mm-hmm. going, oh, wow. Like I became obsessed with it. It was like the new, it was like, I don't know. It became like how I felt picking up bass or guitar again, but in honor mm-hmm. just a laptop. My, again, my mind was like blown. I was like, this is fun. Like I'm putting this in there and, and you know, just figuring out whether it sounded good or not it was just kind of figuring it out learning how to use the software and I I didn't have like I didn't really watch like tutorials or anything it was more of a case of trial and error it was just me being like trying I don't know when I'd say to like Jadina this guy like, yeah I can do all this like triggering stuff they're like what, what are you talking about and I was like <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah, it, it could be sick and you know and then implementing it into the show was was fu- it was fun for me because I get to try it out I get to experiment with it and be more than just the bass player I'd be something out do something else like you said bring something else to the table
0: that's right is it and I think it's great to do that though I think it's great to sort of like do things because you enjoy it because you want to experiment because you want to um just try something that nobody else has done um
1: I don't want to be the do the conventional things to me that's boring I always think that's mm. kind of boring. So I just want to just do something different. add something a little bit different. I don't know, maybe not unintentionally. It was never intentional. It was just, I just wanted to do it. And the, only if it was appropriate as well.
0: But I think that like, it, it gave you um, a really good, you you know, I, I think at that particular time, and you know, you, you, occupied a unique spot because I think that all the things you did, I thought you did really well, do you know what I mean? which is a great thing, but then, you know, you had all this kind of, you had a very eclectic approach and vibe with music as well. So I think that that kind of um, puts you in a good position when you were sort of doing um, start of the session scene, so to speak. And, and I think like a lot of people um, I think when you are good, um, and you are doing interesting things or doing enough things that people start to see you, it's only really a matter of time before you know other gigs start coming, other MDs or other people start seeing you and recognizing your talents and wanting to use you. And um, I remember um, I remember you coming in to um, rehearsal one time and you were saying that you'd picked up another gig and you're doing some other bits and pieces um, and you weren't sure how much of LaLora's gig you were gonna do. Um, and um it was a guy called sam smith and i remember you say i remember you distinctively saying to me and I, I remember like who like no i meant like i don't know yeah. like i remember <laughs> i remember being like i think this was very early in sam smith's career obviously but i just i yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know who he was and I, but i remember you like well he's got a few bits coming up and i was like oh cool well sounds interesting but how did you kind of get into that and how did that happen
1: um so i was playing uh before that with a few more other artists there was one called george maple i remember george maple yeah
0: Which yeah, yeah. she's kind of hip-hop vibe wasn't it
1: yeah and it was like i was doing the all ableton that gig and synth bass i didn't do any bass that was really fun and we was, was like lot dance stuff and, and i met jamil through that gig mm-hmm. through yasmin She called me up and said hey you up for doing george Maple?" And i was like yeah and i heard the music i was like yeah i met jamil it's great and jamil was playing drums for sam at the time mm-hmm. and i don't at that time, I think Latch had just come out.
0: Yes, with yes. I
1: was like,
0: whoa, this
1: guy's voice, like, Sam's voice was crazy. It was amazing. I was like, wow. And I had, I remember when I was playing with George Maple, Jamil would talk about this other gig that he was doing. Yeah, there's no bass player yet, but <laughs> he went to me, they don't need an Ableton guy. And I was like, but you haven't got a bass player. <laughs> And he didn't really, I don't think Jamil as the bass player, he knew I played, but not really like, I was the Ableton person. So. Right, right, right. Yeah, I think I came back from a gig and I got a phone call from Jamil, hey, are you up for playing Sam? And I was like, yeah, like, yeah, again, like, mm-hmm. this is so, I thought, oh, get to do another gig, this is so good. Like, And I loved Sam's voice and, and I loved the music, I was, I was so up for it. And playing on another gig with Jamil was so cool as well. And he called me up and he was like yeah well we're rehearsing next week and there's a gig next week uh come down and i came down i learned as much as i could and then came down mm-hmm. and that was it but it's funny really? um when when we first started rehearsing with sam i think i met all the all the band before sam came in so i had the day before with like Jamil, yeah. and then reuben james was on keys and a guy called ben thomas on guitar mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: then sam walks in and takes one look at me and I, I had that kind of farmer look with the whole like long <laughs> like super long beard like, yeah. a flat I did, did not look like the sort of guy that would be playing with Sam and he looked at yeah me and, yeah is it like talking to the guys is this is this the guy with the gig <laughs> <laughs> this conversation's happening but yeah take one look and then we spoke and got on really well and did I did my first gig with them um, it was fun it was great it was so early doors though It was so it was so the album hadn't even come out or he hadn't even i don't think he put a single out yeah
0: I, I don't think so either i think I, I think i think the two things that stand out for me there is this, i think that like i think that having um having a really strong look or a unique look um yeah. can either be something that's really in your benefit or really yeah can go against you, do you know what I mean? But I think that like, (laughs) but people that do, that's who they are. Do you know what I mean? It's like when you've got tattoos and a long, like you you can shave off your beard, you could do whatever. But but that's kind of like, I think there's a kind of like, I is what I is kind of vibe to that. And I think that's great. And I think as well, I think. Anybody that sp- speaks to you and got to know you realize, oh, okay, this guy, you know, because it's easy to have a preconceived idea of what somebody is based upon how they look. Do you know what I mean? But um, I didn't really think about it until people look at you and they go, he's, he's right for the gig. But I, I guess because I know you and knew you and has so, and saw you, I saw. I, I think I saw you play to some degree before I'd even kind of known you. And I could see that, yeah. you know, you had, you were a funky dude. Do you know what I mean? You could actually, you to, maybe if somebody didn't know you, they could have thought, "Oh, is this a rock guy? Is this a metal guy? What's going on?" But it's like the minute somebody would see you play, they would be like, "Oh, okay, I get it." <laughs> right. It's a funny thing because even
1: now on gigs, I was everyone thinks I'm the roadie. On stage sound checking. <laughs> oh. I think I'm some
0: rigger or something, like a yeah.
1: or something.
0: The funny thing I remember is that um, you know. I think at that time you sound like you were quite open to lots of different things, which I think is a really good thing. Um, but in this game, you never really know what's going to go. You don't know what's going to be. You don't know if it's going to be a gig you do four or five times. You don't know if it's going to do it. Yeah. Or you don't know if it's going to be like four or five years. You just do not know when you start with things because everybody's in the same position. But, um, I remember you, um, I think they got to a time when I think you had I think Laura's wasn't doing a whole lot and um you had mm-hmm. to make a choice of whether to kind of you know I think you had to make the choice to go and do Sam full time and I remember that they had quite a you know they they you mentioned to me they had quite a quite a plan they had quite a kind of a rollout yeah. kind of plan and that's kind of quite rare as well so um you know, how did that feel to sort of like be in a situation where after kind of doing all these bits and pieces that you kind of knew what you were doing for a year or possibly two?
1: Yeah, it was it was funny because I was still working my day job at the time. And mm-hmm. I think we'd done a few shows in America. We did one gig in L.A. It was my mm-hmm. first time in L.A. And um, I got a message from the tour manager saying, any gigs that you guys have got, cancel them. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Any prior commitments, you have canceled them because we're going to be busy. And I've heard that story before. My gut, whenever I've done gigs, like you said, in terms of knowing whether it's going to be one gig or many gigs. I've always had that yeah. kind of defense mechanism going. Yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get excited about this because I've been let down before.
0: Yeah, everybody gives the big pitch, and nobody starts a project and is like, "Listen, do you know what? This is gonna be really shit. We're gonna put out a single. It's probably gonna flop, and then you'll be able to do what you want to do in four months." Like nobody <laughs> yeah. says that. You know what I mean? It's, it's like everybody starts every project with the idea that the artist that they have is going to be an international, worldwide superstar. Like, so. You make um, it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah that's exactly it so obviously i guess as a musician you hear that once you've heard that three or four times you're like okay yeah let's see where this one goes so um i kind of just went they just showed i
1: think it was a case it wasn't just a message saying Ish. they showed us all the dates that we were doing right. i think i was out one night and i got them the email I was like no way i, and I felt <laughs> i had this kind of feeling in my gut like now's the time it's happening like you know and i quit my job and it was the most liberating feel it was such a good feeling like this is it and i just went in with it just like whatever it it felt right it just felt like everything fell into place naturally i was at the right place at the right time it just felt right so i just went with it i've loved like all the people i've played for i've actually i've never had a gig really where i've gone i don't like i don't really enjoy this person or i don't enjoy the music i've actually i still talk to some of the people i've played for like i've done writing sessions with laura actually Mm -hmm. like And it's been a mate and joseph salva and all these other people and it i felt really guilty it was like a breakup you know going to (laughs) i just had i had to do it and it felt it felt right and felt it felt good all my friends at urban were my managers so when they fired me like it became a joke they actually fired me (laughs) are you serious yeah but because it was fun because it was just a laugh and they fired me and then made it this thing and then i think i they handed me my p45 and uh, it was quite funny i wanted to get it framed as in like you know but no i didn't i didn't bother in the
0: end but yeah suffice to say this um you know there's very few gigs um in my opinion or in my experience as well there's very few gigs and artists that kind of really do have not just the um what well, just gig global, yeah, global success but then also the talent and ability to carry that over many many years and you've been doing that gig for a long time now so how has that kind of been being on the same project for such a long time
1: it's been really good actually you know like when i started on sam's gig it was so new tying it in through everything that i've done in london i learned so much more being stuck in it being thrown into it than i have you know learning it at university you have to be in it to understand it And I, there's things I didn't even know about, you know, synth bass. Like I didn't even know how to play synth bass. I didn't, (laughs) I'd never, you know, I learned. So me being on, on Sam's gig, it gave me, it felt like it from the, from the very beginning. And then I built, I, we, it was a journey that we all went on together, you know, Sam, obviously it was a massive journey for Sam, you know, but for us musicians as well, it was, you know, for that kind of level of gig, like you said, it was You know you're not just doing a few local gigs in london or doing it's like crazy you know award shows tv shows yeah i was
0: gonna say for everybody in the band it was almost like a it was like a first big gig for everybody it wasn't like other people it wasn't people that had done other things of that kind of size before so that must have been interesting too
1: it was it was an amazing event like it was amazing like i learned so much about what it takes you know the dedication sure it takes we did South by Southwest, and that was amazing. And we had like ten minutes to set up our equipment, and we had so much gear, so we were all panicking. We didn't have. We had like we did, there wasn't any like roadies. We were all doing it ourselves. So there was like one guy helping us out, and we all, we were, you know putting our fingers out and doing it together. And then we find out that that night that the guys from SNL were watching. <laughs> we're watching oh, us wow. play in this in this dive bar in Texas, and and then that's when things. Changed drastically, especially in America. We got to play Ladies and um, SNL. Smith. Wow! Really, it, took it, I, it took it. I didn't realize, you know, you know, being British, I didn't realize how big SNL was. I didn't realize. Oh no, that, it's
0: huge! It's huge. I
1: I did not realize how it how, <laughs> like, at all. You know, Sam plays one gig and he can't go outside anymore. It, but for me, when we played Jules Holland, that was the pinnacle for me. I was like. Oh, this is like my dream. Was yeah, Jules. yeah, yeah. That was the most important thing that I'd done. Was Jules Holland for me, personally. It was such a big thing watching like acts and bands and like even session musicians playing on that show. I was like, that's that's what I want to, I want to be on that show.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think particularly i think the thing about jewels and any show where they kind of celebrate music um as well they, they're kind of the, the type of gigs that you want to play as a musician because yeah. you know that like yeah it's, it's not just a thing of it being a good show but there's like a sort of a respect which goes along with those type of shows like you said doing snl like they they only have what they deem to be the best artists of the time doing these things you know what i mean so um that must have been fantastic
1: amazing like even doing like the other tv shows like i used to watch performances of letterman from back in yeah yeah
0: yeah
1: (laughs) like and then i hear that i'm doing it i'm like i'm pinching myself like it doesn't feel real it's like a dream world yeah so like what is going on right now like i say to the guys in the band like we're in we're in david you know we're at letterman right now (laughs) about that or snl or or like good morning america
0: sure sure
1: or even like some of the things like in the UK, like when we did the capital jingle ball and stuff, it was crazy i never thought oh radio one for me was another live lounge i remember i did that i did that with devlin i've never been so <laughs> nervous in my whole life but <laughs> yeah you know, like i'm actually doing what i've wanted to do for so long it's that it's an amazing feeling it really is
0: at a point in time obviously you were there initially as as just a bass player but at a point in time you started um you became md as well right yeah how did that feel for you what was that transition like
1: it's a lot of responsibility (laughs) i don't know i never thought again i never thought of doing the whole md thing i just i never it never it never became a thing for me i never thought about i didn't even know it was it it, it is an amazing experience it, it, it's yeah. different. It's a different. It's a different thing entirely. I feel like being an MD. It's not. There's a bit more thought process in it, I guess.
0: Yeah, and I, I guess, I guess it's sort of like too. What I would say is, I always find that. Um, in my in my opinion, I think one of the best ways of transitioning into MD is um within a setup that you've already been a part of. Do you know what I mean? I think when you've already been on the road. With people, and you know the band, and you know the crew, and you know the management. And you know, you know, there's a team around you. I feel like that can help support the sort of transition into that role, which does have different responsibilities and more responsibilities. But I think it's best in that type of environment. So I, I would imagine that there would have been, um, you know, a lot of people around to kind of help make that kind of transition work. And Help you along the way. I think I think the most difficult thing about when you're playing an MDN is just having to have your head in two different spaces because you're having to think about your playing as well as everything else. You know,
1: it's funny because in terms of like in terms of like playing like doing the MD thing and playing bass, it was kind of one of those instruments where you sit in the middle. You're, yeah. You can, I can hear everything else because I'm just the lower. I'm just the low end, so all the I can just hear. I can hear everything a bit better. If that makes mm-hmm. sense yeah like yeah, I, I, yeah i'm just the low end in the middle i don't really have a i'm not really that present so everything else around it it's like i'm just in the middle with the drums i always thought i could hear things a bit clearer being a bass player if i was i don't know a guitar player or something i think it might have been a bit different i don't know I, I no that's just, a, well, that's
0: actually a good point though you know i think that's a that's actually a really good point because i think that like again i've i'll say this again i just think that bass is one of those instruments that it has to sit right and it has to feel right but it's like if it if it kind of if it protrudes too much in the wrong way it can just be really really bad that's not to say that there's not moments for that but um it, it's, it's the timing of that is really important so I think that yeah if there is I, I think that that's a great instrument to actually MD from actually because as I said you can kind of just be aware of what's going on around you without having to be too overly flamboyant and what's being done right
1: now yeah sometimes yeah it's yeah the way i listen to music i don't just listen to my parts as well i I have to hear i can i just hear everything i hear everything and then i i'll hear one bit and focus in on that one bit sure sure. how i listen to music i don't just listen to
0: my part i listen to it as a as a whole body of work and do you um well i guess you've mentioned a few but obviously being on that particular gig for so long um are there any particular standout moments or sort of like milestones that you hit that you um that were kind of remarkable for you in terms of like things you wanted to achieve or places you wanted to play or standout gigs
1: yeah yeah like there's so many i felt like when it became a kind of like on the as the journey went on just these things started appearing in the diary and it's like it was kind of like surreal mm-hmm. like When I heard we were playing mm-hmm. Madison square garden i never thought ever that would happen even brixton academy even those right things,
0: right it doesn't
1: matter anything like any venue for me was like a a big thing for me because i've always wanted to do that i've been to gigs at all these venues and just thought to myself you know one day like i'll hopefully be doing something like this and when when you do it it's so surreal like a mate such an amazing feeling of accomplishment
0: just yeah just, yeah yeah
1: As a dream you know dream when you think about the dreams that you have growing up or anything you, you don't think they ever they don't you don't think they ever happen i've met a lot of awesome people and i've been at the right place at the right time and i'll never forget that i'll never forget it
0: yeah yeah it's interesting you know because um There is that whole um, right place, right time phenomenon thing, which people speak about. But I kind of also think you have to be, yeah, you have to be in the right place at the right time, but you have to be the right person at the right place in the right time, too. Because, you know, sometimes there's other people in those same situations, but it doesn't work out. Do you know what I mean? So I think it seems, you know, I think everything has probably come to you at a time when you were ready for it as well, which I think. makes all the difference you know
1: um i used to think that all the time like i should be doing this when i was like 21 like 20 but i wasn't ready then i wasn't wasn't in that headspace for a session i'd 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 struggle i reckon thinking about it i didn't know a lot Mm. (laughs) (laughs) that's the thing as soon as i moved to london i it was kind of like oh the deep end like i said i did gigs where hey uh do you play synth bass Uh, yeah. Yeah. In my head. No, I've never, (laughs) I bought one and had to learn all these parts. I never even, I didn't even know what I was doing. I just had to, I had to even in is remember when I bought my in is the first time. I
0: (laughs) I do, I do, but I think all those, you know, all those things, they happen and they come about, but I think that you have to be the type of person that's prepared to learn new things. And I think from this conversation, I think that the fact that you did prior many many years as a teenager, I think the fact that you had these interests and in all these in playing different instruments and you know trying different things that probably you know had, um, held you in good stead for when you did have to maybe do something else like, or add a yeah apply different things you know like maybe you hadn't played synth bass but you probably had dabbled with keys enough to know that it's something you could probably you could probably do. Do you know what I mean?
1: If I, yeah. If I if you put the time in, it really and I'd really, I just wanted it so badly. I'd I'd do whatever it takes.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I was just gonna say. So, um, a couple of times in the conversation, you've mentioned writing with different people and getting involved with just, just, just writing in general. So, is that something that you've always been doing, like making your own music and writing music? Um, like how how, how how's that come about? That was kind of like with the
1: whole Ableton. It kind of ties in with Ableton. I I just do like I wouldn't say I was a producer or anything. I just wanted I just wanted to make like beats and music, and I never was I I never went in with that kind of goal or aspiration to be a writer or a I I just did it for fun. And then Mm -hmm. what was it? We were on we were on tour with Sam, and one day Sam comes into the dressing room and says to he says to me and Ruben. it says, "Hey, do you guys want to do some writing randomly?" Mm-hmm. Both me and Ruben. Sweet, like, yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, sweet. I've never recorded vocals before, so again, I, I was learning. I didn't really. I was more thinking at that time, session musician. I didn't really have. Yeah, that yeah. Of, didn't have that kind of production head, or, and we were just writing songs together. You know, as we got to know each other for so long. So it became a comfortable thing of trial and error. And, you know, you're vulnerable when you're writing stuff because you have an idea that might not be so good, but people don't make you feel bad about it. So we it's were a very of,
0: intimate space. It really, really is. It's the very intimate space writing and, and making music with somebody. Yeah. And it's, it became like just a thing that we did. And
1: Sam was amazing, because you know, he'd released an album like a week before, and then he's already bored of it. So, Right, you know, right. We'll be onto the we'd be onto the he'd be on they'll be onto the next project and you know I felt fortunate and so did Ruben to be asked because that's a very rare thing, I think. I've never heard of that. I mean, I hadn't heard of it, like artists working with the uh, session musicians. Not really. Like I didn't really know that was a thing at all.
0: So so you guys were doing that regularly and I guess that um so some of what you guys were working on ended up on the on the next record after that, right?
1: Yeah, it's funny because, um, again, I, you know, we're making, we're just having a bit of fun, and writing songs, and then out of nowhere, management are like, "These songs are actually quite good." Like, <laughs> <laughs> You're just like, "What?" Shut up! Right. You know, talking rubbish. You know, and, yeah. And then you guys should, you guys should do more together. So we did, and I think it was, we were in, I think I remember it. We were in Melbourne and we wrote a song called uh, Him and Mm -hmm. me Ruben and Sam in the dressing room just writing and it just happened and I felt like that was the change that changed everything that song for well for me at least Ruben and management going this is amazing this is going to be on the album and I'm thinking what rubbish yeah okay (laughs) yeah I mean don't 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 feed me bullshit And and then Lo and behold it did and it was another journey for me it was like another thing that happened it, it was a natural it was always natural though it, it, it wasn't forced upon me.
0: it sounds very natural and it sounds very on, on, honest on everybody's part and that's what's really um interesting about it because you know um a- again you know it's like if you're writing with somebody and it's trash, then people don't like it and it doesn't get used. That's kind of, that's fine. So, so you have to turn up and be, you know, it's getting the, the opportunity is one thing, but you have to be, you know, able to actually deliver, which clearly you guys were, but I actually think that, that, that space of writing with people, it, it, you know, when you're traveling around the world with people, um, it's really normal really you're making music with them every night do you know what i mean it's like so um it's it's kind of like why wouldn't you do you know what i mean particularly if you're a singer and you don't play an instrument it's like it's kind of it, it would seem to be a natural thing to kind of jam and do things with the people that you're kind of around every day but sometimes the industry and management doesn't kind of allow for things like that so i think that it's great when you're in a you know, a safe space and you have a, a safe team that kind of like is open to those kind of things happening.
1: Yeah, it's it's, it's really fun because I learned, I learned a lot from, you know, I'd never recorded like a singer before, not properly. I never, I'd always make mm-hmm. like little instrumental things. So I learned by, you know, getting grief from the A&R, you need to turn the vocal up, I can't hear the vocal, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you know, like, okay, I don't know, like, you know, just learning, I learned, a lot
0: from that, yeah. Yeah, I, I was. I would say it's kind of like I would say this there's two parts of that which are really interesting because it's like, A, like you said, it probably makes you work harder and you learn things along the way, but then I guess also B, from the kind of maybe from the AR perspective or if even from Sam's perspective, it's like these are things which you guys have worked on in a natural way on the road, so it's not like it's not like somebody can give you a bunch of stick for something because it's like, well, I'm not putting myself up here as this big super producer. I'm just a guy in a band that right. wrote this song, which you kind of like, so just let me kind of yeah. work on it a little bit more. And and it, I would imagine yeah. it's just like, again, that's a healthy place to kind of be, do you know what I mean? You know, we wrote those songs a
1: year before the album was even recorded, was even, and, you know, hearing that three of the songs that, that we'd written are going on that, um, on the record was surreal it was like and being in the studio actually that was an eye-opener for me you know being with um steve fitz morris and jimmy napes and all those guys it was a really it was an amazing experience sitting behind a mixing desk and hearing the songs that you've written and produced played like i don't know (laughs) like the orchestra or the we did loads of strings for it and i just got this feeling of just like it was just a bit over it was overwhelming excitement and just it was just a lot of feelings at that time
0: so and how involved were you with the um so so obviously you guys have written stuff on the road how involved were you guys with the final productions was it sort of all down to you or were you sort of like working with a team of people i was
1: working with a team of guys like steve Fitzmorris was was producing and mixing the record he had various like engineers in his team that we were all just there and i uh the guy the management said hey we want you to produce your songs and i was thinking okay i was like okay i you know they had a set they re- were recording the album the same way they did the first it was with the session band so it, it just felt like i don't know the way i listen to albums it felt like that way but you're just you're just molding it the way you want it to be
0: yeah yeah you're hearing yeah. it in
1: real time without playing it felt natural to me to be to be sat there maybe i wasn't behind the computer but i just was like you know it's like md'ing essentially
0: it's yes, the same yes. sort of
1: thing like you're you're telling the band what to do
0: and yeah i don't think that's strange at all i i before i started md'ing was mainly producing so for me when i started md'ing it just seemed like produce it just seemed like producing a band to me so i think there is a link between both of those things but again i think that where um the situation you're in i think is really interesting because i think that um I think when you have a team of people around people that's sometimes a great way to bring good things together you know i think that it's like rather than just sort of like expecting one person or two people to do it all on their own it's that's not necessary there's obviously something of good there and then you just put together other people that can help make the whole thing work and then that's how you can make something unique. And obviously I imagine for Sam, it must be great to have something that he's written with people that he knows, and he works with a lot and is around a lot. So it's like, it seems like it's a nice, a natural type of synergy.
1: It's family orientated, very much so. Right. And it's very important to Sam that he has his core team. And so we felt very fortunate that he, that they felt comfortable enough to, to ask us to do those, those, you know, write those songs and, or even be a part of it was kind of just yeah amazing i feel very fortunate fantastic
0: so yeah man i mean that's that's amazing like what do you so with that now is that something you are doing a lot more of or want to do a lot more of or um yeah with regards to writing and producing
1: yeah i love it i I, again you know sam put me through to his management and they got me they got me loads of writing sessions and. You know they gave me my first um publishing deal which was really cool mm-hmm. i didn't think these things were gonna happen i didn't i didn't i never thought that this was gonna happen like, it was kind yeah, of sure and so now like as time has gone as time has gone on i i feel like this is making albums uh, making songs and whatever produ- productions Where it feels very much me now i feel yeah much yeah yeah you know in a room with people and, make, and making music and you know coming up with something together is so, so it's, it's amazing i love I, lo- I love it i never thought again i've met so many musicians down the line that do that go into production i think why and, and at that time i was like why are you guys doing production live music man what are you talking about <laughs> it's something i still love i love playing live I, I love having those outlets where i can be a live musician and also not be a live musician i can just be a, you know. A songwriter or a, or a producer or whatever i can have those you know different outlets because i still love performing live.
0: but down the line do you see yourself going in one or either direction or would you prefer to kind of have a good mix of the two i
1: i feel like i i feel like slowly production and writing will be more at the forefront and then live will just be when i can i, I think sure okay. i don't know I i don't i'm not really going in with it like that. But I mean, I'd love to just be, you know, at, at home with with my wife and, you know, start a family. And I feel like being away can be quite difficult. So
0: over time, well, you know, as you kind of build up your experiences, different things make more and more sense. Like you said, it's like, maybe you have a family, maybe you don't want to be on the road so much. Maybe when your kids get to a certain age, if you, you know, you, if you want to go out and tour again, you find a way of doing that. And, you know, I guess all things are possible, aren't they?
1: I think i always find a way of playing shows i just don't know on um, i don't know what level they'll be on i just I'd, I'd do anything even a wedding gig just to play just to get it out of my system because i feel like if i <laughs> if i stick with just production i'll miss the live i'll miss it immediately it's one of those things where you you take it for granted and once it's not there anymore you you know you miss it
0: and with regards to your writing is there anything particular any particular people you're working with are you working on your own projects or are you just trying different things um, like what can what should we be looking out for
1: yeah just working with uh different artists um, up and coming mm-hmm. and then i've been doing my own projects with some friends i've been doing a lot of stuff with soul which has been really fun okay kind of like original pieces of music it's been it's just been really fun just playing with people
0: oh yeah absolutely absolutely and i guess um yeah i'd love to hear all the stuff you've got coming out man i I look forward to kind of hearing um what you're doing and you know hopefully seeing you at a show um not too long away do you know what i mean somewhere (laughs) but listen man it's been great talking to you thank you so much for coming on and sharing some of your experiences and your journey and um yeah, as I said, look forward to checking out and hearing things that you're doing in the future. Um, what's the best way for people to connect with you and just kind of keep abreast of what you're doing?
1: If anyone's going to hear anything, it'll probably be on my Instagram. But um, yeah, yeah, that's probably the only platform I have right now.
0: All good, all good. But listen, Brent, listen, it's been fantastic talking to you. Thanks a lot again for coming down or not coming down. Pick up the phone, have you okay? <laughs> And, and much love And i uh, catch up with you soon Thanks for listening Hope you enjoyed Please feel free to like Share Comment Feedback All that good stuff In the next episode I talk with the one and only Ginger Hamilton Ginger has been one of the busiest drummers on the UK session scene over the past 10 years. He's worked with Jesse J, JLS, Leanne Lahavis, Le Ali Murs, Sam Smith, Westlife, many, many others. Definitely not to be missed.